Good morning, afternoon, and evening, and welcome to the 8311 Cast, your premier Midwestern-based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Kyle Mersh, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Teeter, as we talk to you about college football, the NFL, the MLB, and of course, our signature segments, your weekly turtle tab, Mike's Stupid Rules, and Write That Down Predictions, here on episode 144. This weekend, Baltimore Ravens kicker Justin Tucker hit an NFL record 66-yard field goal, which was the game winner. Uh, This beats Mac Prater's 64-yard record set in 2013. Wow, that is impressive. Did you know that that 66-yarder totaled 19 more yards than the Bears offense did versus the Browns? I mean, that that just isn't – that doesn't bode well for your football team when you – I mean, don't eclipse more than 50 yards offensively in a football game. Especially when your your hot young rookie quarterback uh, is playing, like you're the, the savior of your franchise, according to Bears fans. I was told multiple times on Saturday that now that Justin Fields was in, the Bears are going to go to the Super Bowl. Uh, I haven't talked to those people since then, but I think they might have changed their tune. I hope. They have changed their tune. Especially when your uh, sensational young quarterback supposedly has, when you take out all of his sack yards from his passing yards, it, he only had one passing yard. But that's so, not how passing yards work. Right. But if you were to do that, not very efficient at all with the football. I mean, when your team has less than 50 yards, by definition, your quarterback was not efficient. Like, there's yeah. no way for them to be efficient in that case. Like, it's a, it's as simple as that. Just be, I mean, just be better. The Bears, they ain't going to the Super Bowl. I should have actually made that my prediction this week, but I Why mean, didn't it, you? Would have, it would have been a bunt single. It's not even close. The Bears aren't going. But if we're going to be down on any team, we are also going to be down on our Cyclones. Um, this was a game that, None of the three of us watched the entire game. Uh, shout out to Zach and Emily Newland. We were all in attendance to their wedding this weekend. Uh, but, I mean, it, we got enough information from, you know, the Twitter and just watching the parts of the games that we that we did see. Special teams, once again, I, I mean, I don't know how often we can beat this drum. Special teams was horrific uh begin or early first quarter um i thought the ball appeared as if it was going to be shanked regardless uh but it was partially blocked by baylor um something that you probably shouldn't that you should actually block well for early on in the game uh and it set set them up pretty pretty well for an easy touchdown drive for them early on in that first quarter and no shock we give up another kick return touchdown. Um, it has been something that has plagued this team. Uh, it is always a major swing in momentum, no matter where you are, who you play. That right there is something that kills offensive m- momentum and just morale on a sideline when you give up something that big. Yeah. And I mean, this team battled, right? I mean, this team played really good, but they always seem to fall behind early against Baylor and have to come back. And two out of three years now, it hasn't been enough to come. They haven't had enough to come back. This team starts slow against Baylor in general. They just, yeah, 
The defense got beat up early. They played really well in the second half. Again, the defense only gave up three points in the second half, just continuing a dominant run of defense in the second half. So shout out to the defensive coaches and unit for making some good second half adjustments there to, uh, um, to uh, keep that team in the game because uh, the special teams uh, did not help. Um, despite all this adversity, the Cyclones did manage to um, score a touchdown to give them a two-point opportunity to uh, tie the game in the final minute. But an under center, Brock Purdy fumbled an under center snap to uh, on that play, and I don't know how. Mm, I mm, I just don't even know what to say about that fumbling an under center snap in the biggest play of the season at this point, like. I mean, just, can can we just question Tom Manning why we were even under center in the first place? I mean, yeah, we don't spend a ton of time under center, but I'm not going to be super picky about that. I I I at least I know Chris Williams uh, and uh, Brent Bloom were calling that out uh, that they were just curious as to why we were lining up under center when we are the majority of the time a shotgun team or at least an I form team. Um, but yeah, I mean, questionable calls or offensive play calls like that. But when you look at the entire box score of the matchup of the game, in all reality, when you run it down, it looks as if on paper, just seeing these statistics, Iowa state should have won the game. 27 first downs to 15. They were about even in third down efficiency. Both teams were equally terrible. Third down efficiency. Iowa state was a hundred percent. Uh, Iowa State nearly doubles up Baylor in rushing yards. Uh, passing yards, they have 1.75 times as many. Total yards, they almost 500 yards of total offense. The defense only allows 282 yards of total offense. In a Big 12 football game, that is fantastic. That is spectacular. You hold a team under 300, you have a real good chance of winning a football game. Iowa State's defense had two sacks. Uh we did have one interception, but we forced a fumble. Um, we forced and, two fumbles, only recovered one of them. Well, we, we actually forced three fumbles, but only recovered one. Um, but the one of them was entirely lucky. We forced the fumble. It bounces up straight into the running back's hands, and he runs it into the end zone. Almost. Or near the – almost in the end zone, down to the eight-yard line. But they score, uh, I believe, on the next play uh, with yeah. a quarterback run. Um Shout out to their left tackle, who was absolutely fantastic. That dude can move, uh, and he can move some earth. But when you look at the and also Baylor had nine penalties for 100 yards. Iowa State only had three penalties for 20, 25 yards, which is something that usually hurts Iowa State more often than not. In time of possession, 35 minutes to 24 minutes in time of possession. Yeah. You, you look at that, and you're like, well – that was a fantastic game. And Brees Hall, 27 carries, 190 yards and two touchdowns. That is that is the recipe to win a Big 12 game. It's just you get down so early. And think about it. If if you don't give up that kick return touchdown in the second half when your defense only gives up three points, you're not scrambling potentially to score a touchdown and have to go for two to tie the game, to force it to overtime. Well, not to mention you missed a field goal in the first half as well. That, right, if you make that field goal, then that touchdown is the winner instead of a potential tie, right? I mean, it's just, 
it's all these self-inflicted wounds, right? All these self-inflicted wounds. I mean, at least I think they missed a field goal. Did, I, did they not miss a field goal? Yeah, they did miss a field goal. Yeah, my bad. Yeah, that 47 yarder. So it's certainly not a gimme, but something that you really want to have. You got to have those field goals. That's what you expect to make. It's, yeah. I mean, it set up Baylor for a short field. They didn't do much with it, but still, it, it was just stuff that you couldn't have. It's, you played better than Baylor and still lost, right? That's what Kyle was basically telling you with all those stats. That was, I mean, yeah, it's just the little things. This team is losing in the margin. They're losing the details. And that's what's costing them these games. Um, zooming out to the big picture, like we did against Iowa after the Iowa loss, this base, first of all, this basically eliminates any chance the Cyclones had at the college football playoff. No two-loss team has ever made the college football playoff. I don't expect that to change this year. And I, I especially suppose it is still theoretically possible. I especially but, don't think it'll change, especially coming from a big, a big 12 school. I think if there's any conference that anyone's going to have more bias to, it's going to be lean towards the SEC or the Big Ten. Yeah, I agree. I agree with Kyle there. So I think our college football player playoff hopes are done. Um, our Big 12 championship hopes. They did take a hit, obviously. This is now a conference loss, so it matters. But they're not doomed, right? I mean, I said in my preseason predictions that this this team would lose two conference games and still make the Big 12 championship game. I mean, I didn't have them losing this game, but they could still, right, win the rest of your games with the exception of Oklahoma. You could still, could still find yourself in the, Big 12 title game. Um, it obviously hurts your chances, so we'll see. But you're not doomed. You're not doomed. You just got to win some more games. You obviously can't lose two more games. but. And we also have to have a little bit of hope that maybe Baylor isn't as good as maybe that game made it seem like they are, and the record says that they are right now. Um, the one thing, obviously, when you start to look towards a Big 12 championship game, uh, Baylor does have their probably two toughest games at home this year in OU and Texas. They get those games at home, which bodes a little bit better for them than playing one of those on the road. And another thing now, obviously, since Baylor beat Iowa State, if those two teams are tied in the win-loss column at the end of the season, but Baylor beats Iowa State, obviously they have that head-to-head tiebreaker. So we, we have to hope that you know, maybe Baylor isn't quite as good as their record makes them out to be right now. Yeah. This, or maybe this, it's a Baylor-Iowa State Big 12 championship game. I mean, what are the odds of that? I mean, Oklahoma did not look great at home against West Virginia. And, and their fans were chanting for, we want Caleb, which Caleb Williams is their backup quarterback. Yeah, the backup quarterback is always the most popular player on any football team. As soon as something goes wrong, everybody wants the backup quarterback. But it's not it's not necessarily the solution. Unless Obviously, you're maybe the backup. See the Bears. See yeah. Bears, Chicago. The backup quarterback is not necessarily the answer. Although so. Jacoby Brissett was almost the answer for Miami. But we'll talk about NFL football later because we have to look forward to next week, which hopefully is another get-right game. 
Thankfully, the Cyclones schedule seems to align itself with get right games at the beginning of the season after losses. Um, I, I mean, there isn't much to cover here. Iowa State plays Kansas and they're 34 point favorites at home. You win yeah. this football game. Yes, it's six o'clock on Fox Sports One. Um, yeah, this is a game you expect to win. There's no reason to expect not to win this game. Um, if you lose this game, I might just stop watching Cyclone football for the year. Like, this is supposed to be the best team in school history. You can't lose to Kansas. There's still hope for this season, Cyclone fans. It's not all over. Yes, this game was a huge disappointment, but the season is far from over. So beat Kansas, get right during your bye, and get ready for the harder part of your schedule coming up after that. So move up next week, move on. You got to just keep playing. It's October now. The Cyclones play well in October. So, or at least it will be the next time they play. So there you go. Um, there also were a lot of crazy games across the NFL um, this week. Um, just all over, all the time slots, crazy games. Of course, you had that uh, Justin Tucker game winning field goal um, in the noon games. That one went off the crossbar, by the way, and bounced in. You could see the Lions fans celebrate for like two seconds after it hit off the crossbar. Uh, yeah, the crossbar until they realized that it went in and then they were all very sad. Um, yeah, um, there's there that one. Um, you had the Chargers taking it to Kansas City. Um, is The Chargers are good. I think we proved that. The Chiefs are now one and two. Is, is Kansas City bad? Well, okay. One thing I will iterate, I know I'm a Chiefs fan, but I wouldn't say the Chargers took it to the Chiefs. It was only a six-point victory. I mean, that's not – it wasn't a blowout by any means. Um, but I, Kansas City just keeps – shooting themselves in the foot. They they had four turnovers in this game, two very untimely fumbles, and two very untimely interceptions thrown by Patrick Mahomes. I This team just looks unfocused, especially for a year when all the players said that it was their redemption season, quote-unquote, because they were mad they lost the Super Bowl. I, everything about this team screams unfocused right now, and I think – they they have to somehow get back on track and they have to have one of those like blowout feel good games in order to to get back to who they are. Obviously, the offense can still score points. That's not an issue. The offense can move the football. It's can they stop the bleeding on defense when they need to get stops? And can the offense start stop turning the ball over and forcing the defense back onto the field? Obviously, the weakest point of the the Chiefs football team. I will say this division is a lot tougher than it has been uh, in previous years. Don't I, I wouldn't read too much into the Denver Broncos be uh, winning three games to opponents that are combined. I think Oh, and nine or one and eight right now. Um, so I wouldn't read too much into that this so far this season, but the chargers are very good. The Raiders are will always seem to play the chiefs tough. So it will be, it won't be one of those, 15 and two seasons. It'll be more like a 11 and five or 11 and six season this year or 12 and 12 and five, somewhere in there. So that I think they'll get back to it, but for right now, yeah, they're one and two, but there's another team that 
was 0-2 and had their get-back game, I mean, the Minnesota Vikings were probably the best 0-2 football team in the National Football League, and they kind of went out and took it to the Seahawks. In, in the second half especially, the Vikings' defense did not look good in the first half, but in the second half, they definitely turned it around, um, held the Seahawks to, I believe, just three points um, in the whole second half. Kirk Cousins, for all his detractors, is playing like an MVP candidate through three weeks. Um, this uh, this team could easily be 3-0 and right now if Dalvin Cook doesn't fumble and Greg Joseph makes a 37-yard field goal. This team is 3-0 and right now um, instead of looking at 1-2. and So this team certainly has a shot um, to still be good. The schedule is really, really tough. So I still don't think they're a playoff team. But they got right. They salvaged the football weekend for me um, when the Cyclones lost. And Minnesota lost their homecoming game 14-10 to 10 to Bowling Green. So in the first half of the Viking game, it was looking like a real, real bad football weekend for me. But it did get better, uh, did get better with the Vikings holding on to win. I, I, will, I do have to say that uh, Purdue did take a shot at Minnesota for their homecoming week. It is homecoming weekend at Purdue this weekend. And they posted a happy homecoming week with the score of 14 to 10 Minnesota losing to Bowling Green. So the, the big 10 rivalry is getting juiced up a little bit, Mike. Yeah. I mean, Purdue is not a rival with Minnesota. They can pretend they are, but they're not. So yeah. Anyway, um, the Rams also look really good out West. They beat the Patriots this week. Uh-huh. They beat the Sorry, Tampa Bay beat, Buccaneers. Yeah, they beat Tom Brady. I was on the right track. They beat Tom Brady. That's what I meant. Um, they beat Tom Brady and the Bucks this week. Um, the Saints are the ones that beat the Patriots. Um, the they made Browns- Mac Jones look silly. But I, I, the one thing that I have to question is, I mean, for all that talk about, well, let's make Mac Jones comfortable. Let's. Little did I think that he would wind up throwing the football 52 times versus the Saints. He had 52 passing attempts versus New Orleans this week, and he had a couple of interceptions, I think maybe one touchdown, but it was not a great showing for him, and that was his real first bad game, I would say, in the NFL. But it it was crazy to me to think that a Bill Belichick-led team is throwing the ball 52 times. In a football I mean, game. The running back did get hurt early in the game. That didn't help the game plan, I'm sure. Well, that was James White who got hurt, not Damian Harris, who was the number one back. Yeah. But still, he's their third down back. He's the yeah. It threw off the game plan for sure. Um, yeah. We'll keep you informed, of course, as week three or week four of the NFL happens next week. But for now, the games are coming. Bye week starts soon. I believe bye week start in week five. Is that correct? So I think Minnesota is one of those early buys, either week five or week six. No, week seven buy for Minnesota. I'm pretty oh, sure. I thought it was earlier. I'm pretty sure it's week seven. I can, I can find out for you really quickly, depending on how quickly my apps load. Minnesota's bye week is seven yeah so mm. ha take that okay but i i do believe week five is when the buys start but if your team is on buy you can spend your time watching some baseball because i i mean baseball is heating up we are down to the last week of the season right now 
if you are in the NL, you are basically preparing for the your playoff game because the NL is all but decided. The St. Louis Cardinals have gone on a absolutely historic run, winning 16 games in a row. Uh, their magic number now sits at one, I believe, uh, depending on how the Cincinnati Reds and the Philadelphia Phillies have uh, played as we record this podcast on a Monday evening. Um, so, so they're basically in, and it's just trying to determine who they it will end up playing in the NL out of the NL West, whether that will be the San Diego or uh, sorry, excuse me, San Francisco giants or the Los Angeles Dodgers as it stands right now, the uh, giants are still in the lead in that division by two games over the Dodgers. They don't play any, each other anymore this season. So basically they, it's all dependent on how each team plays in their respective games. I believe San Francisco has the easier schedule uh, the rest of the way out, out West, but out in the AL, I mean, things are, things are about to get very, very exciting. New York is back on the top of the roller coaster right now. We're going to see if they stay up there for a bit. Uh, But the rundown is as it stands right now is New York uh, is in first in leading that first wild card spot uh, with a record of 89 and 67. They have a one game lead over Boston, 88 and 68. One game back is Toronto at 87 and 69. Seattle two games back at 86 and 70, and Oakland three games back at 85 and 71. As the schedule shapes out this week, New York and Toronto have a three game series that will possibly position one of those teams on the outside looking in and then New York heads to Tampa Bay for three games to finish out. Boston gets Baltimore and Washington uh, for uh, their final two series, which by far they have the easiest schedule, I think, of those teams remaining. And then Toronto, as I said earlier, they have New York for a series and then they get finish out with Baltimore for their final series. Seattle and Oakland, their uh, playoff hopes will be I think determined maybe in this, in the first series opening this week, they play each other uh, in albeit an elimination series. And then Seattle heads to uh, the Anaheim to face the angels and then Oakland gets Houston. So if, if Oakland drops two games to Seattle, they're basically out of it with Houston uh, as their final series of the year. Basically here's how it shapes up. Whoever comes out of this week, uh, unscathed, they end up playing each other. Uh, so this week is is going to be awesome for baseball, and it's going to set up a very very fun postseason, I'm sure. Yes, it will. I'm looking forward to this baseball postseason. It will be fun. Um, moving right along, keeping on the the baseball here, we'll move on to our signature segment, probably the second to last, the penultimate weekly turtle tab with Will and Zastadio. Um, there's not much to talk about again. He's virtually been replaced by Nick Gordon as far as role, utility player role on the Twins roster. All Astadio got was two pinch hitting appearances this week. Um, nothing more than that. So he, uh, not much, to, not much to talk about there. I assume he is getting cut um, next year. I don't see any way he ends up on the roster ahead of Nick Gordon. Um, something I'm not going to skip this week 
or attempt to skip is Mike Stupid Rules, one of the most important segments um, on the podcast. So there was a play at the end of that Ravens-Lions game, the one right before the field goal. The Ravens threw a long pass to get them to about midfield to set up that field goal. Um, Now, the play clock was at zero before the ball was snapped, um, which you would think is a delay of game. And the answer is maybe, right? So the way that the mechanic works, according to the official's handbook for delay of game, right? It's the back judge who calls delay of game, right? So basically what his responsibility is, is as the play clock winds down, he's watching the play clock. When he sees the play clock hit zero, then he looks for the ball to see if it's snapped or not. So really you probably get an extra second there after the play clock hit zero. Um, like it's not like a full like official second, but that, that's what the rule is, right? Is that the official looks at the... Uh, looks at the play clock and then sees it hit zero and then looks for the ball, right? He doesn't immediately blow a play dead when the play clock hits zero because he, the ball could have been snapped while he was looking at the clock. You can't look at both things at once. So because of that, you have to do it in the, uh, in that order where you get uh, you play clock and then look for the ball. That's, that's the order that's in the rule book. That's the way it has to go. Now, I didn't watch the specific play to see if I thought it was way too long. Um, I don't know, Wyatt, did you watch the play? Do you think he waited too long to throw that flag, or was it right in that that gray area? It was probably in the uh, the fatter half of that. It was about a second and a half from when uh, allegedly the clock at zero. The, the clock on the TV screen isn't the official play clock by any means, so there could have been a discrepancy of maybe a half a second or something, which, like you said, a second would be – a Still a little bit long, but not unheard of. Um, if you're a Lions fan complaining about this, I mean, you guys shouldn't have been down less than three with uh, just back to their team, right? Just, Be good. Just don't, just don't give up that pass play. Yeah. Like, they didn't have any timeouts. You just have to not give up that pass play. No, I totally agree. Yeah, I don't know whether or not that should have been delayed game or not. If they ever show an angle that shows the official play clock, and the ball, you can make a better determination. But based mm-hmm. on what I saw on the TV, I didn't think it was egregious by any Yeah. Also, talking about not giving up that pass play, come on, San Francisco. Let's not give up those – let's cover the Packers like one good pass catcher with less than 45 seconds left um, so you don't let them drive down and kick that game-winning field goal as but, time expired like but, you had but, that game one. But, Mike, they're, they're not going to throw it to the middle of the field. There's only 37 seconds left. But, Mike – the, the, the football. Ugh. Mike, don't you love kickers, by the way, while we're on I hate this topic? Kickers. Yeah, I do. I do hate kickers. Why can't the Vikings have nice things? Because they're, they're in Minnesota, arguably the worst state in the union. I don't know about that one. That, that was a very, very big jump that I'm not sure was warranted. Like, I don't know where that came from. Anyway, yes, props to Aaron Rodgers and the Packers for managing to come back. Also, Kyle Juszczyk, go down at the one there. When you've got less than a minute left in that situation and you have three timeouts, go down at the one. Your chances are better with four plays to score from the one than they are um, with giving the ball back to Aaron Rodgers there. Go down at the one and uh, 
run some more time off that clock. Do you think he was trying to fall down but didn't quite make it? I don't know. I Live, I wasn't sure, and I haven't watched a replay to know for sure, so I'm going to leave that as an I don't know. Something to ponder. But obviously, we can judge everything from the couch and think that we ourselves can make 37 or 45-yard field goals on the regular, but we all suck at football similar to how our cyclones have been recently but hey at least we are also pretty bad at making write that down predictions yes Mike, we are. Can, can you yeah just get on with it and give us all the bad news yeah it is it is all bad news um today it is it is all definitely bad news um three predictions come off the board um two from josh one from wyatt Josh predicted that Alan Lazard would get a TD pass in week two, um, which he did not. Remember, we recorded the Packers were on Monday Night Football, so we were recording this before that game was over. Lazard did not get a touchdown pass in week two or week three. So either way, this is a nah. Nah. Um, Josh predicted Lazard would have four catches in week two. Again, he had zero, and he only had one in week three. So still, either way, that gets a... And Wyatt predicted that Brock Purdy would not throw an interception against Baylor through three and a half quarters. Wyatt was correct through three and a half quarters. He had not uh, thrown an interception. And there was the weird tipped ball interception that we talked about earlier, but that still counts as an interception. So, that is it for um, what came off the board this week. As always, I will start putting some things back on the board. And I'm going to say Seattle will end its postseason drought. Seattle is going to make one of those two AL wildcard spots. Mm, let me see. According here. to 538, there's a 5% chance that that happens. And mm. according to um, fan graphs, there's a 2.5% chance that happens. So. Well, I know which stat you would prefer us to use. I mean, either way, this shouldn't matter. It gives the Athletics an even worse chance. So they think Seattle has the best chance out of their remaining games. I think they have the easier schedule. Granted, as I had said earlier, they do play each other. Um, So whoever comes out of that, man, I don't know. What was that percentage again that you had? Five and a half and five, depending on which ones you look at. So it gives Boston for reference, Boston 77, Toronto 42, and the Yankees 75. So we're saying triple or home run. Yeah. Just yeah, this I'm gonna be upset if this is not a home run. I, Plus, I they are losing their Monday game already against Oakland, three to nothing in the first, which is not included in these those percentages. So I'll, right. I, I dig a home run with 5%. I, I dig it as well. All right. That, that's what I was hoping for for that. Or 2.5%. Let's just make it better. Yeah. I'm, I'm good with home run. I'm not going to complain. Very good. Is Joshua still alive? Does he have a prediction right now? Yeah. I saw him this weekend. It was good to see him again. Joshua, it was good to see you this weekend. Thank you for a fun weekend. Um, Josh is predicting that the Cleveland Browns will go to the Super Bowl out of the AFC. Um, I like this prediction. I made this prediction two years ago when the Browns are very bad, and uh, I'm glad there's actually a possibility for it now. Yeah. So according to 538, 
Um, the Browns have a 5% chance to win the Super Bowl. Um, so you double that. That's a, we'll just say approximately 10% chance to go to the Super Bowl, um, just as an approximate. So this is in triple home run territory as well. What do you guys think? I like the lean on triple for this one. I think so too. Look pretty. That's what I was. I mean, they have, they have arguably the best offensive line in the league and that definitely gets you places. Yep. So triple. Triple Triple it is. Wyatt, what do you got? Iowa state is so good at surprising me with silly things. Uh, I'm going to say that we're going to have a special teams touchdown versus Kansas. We're, we're going to have it, so we're going to score it. Iowa State is going to score a touchdown during a special teams play. Does this include? Would this include like a fake field goal for a touchdown? Yeah, that's. A I special. mean, that's like the least likely of all of them, but I had to ask. No fake punt touchdown. That's the most least. That's the least likely. No f- fake kick touchdown. Right. I. They're both pretty unlikely. So. Fair enough. Either way. Triple home run, Kyle. Oh, uh, a triple. I was leaning towards home run. You, you really think our special teams are, are going to. Nah, home run. <laughs> yeah. All you had to say, you really think. <laughs> nope. Because I don't. But uh, I like taking the, the big bets. What do you got, Kyle? Uh, so I am going to predict that Salvador Perez is going to wind up finishing the season with the most RBIs in all of Major League Baseball. For reference, he has 117, and Jose Abreu, the next closest, has 113. And that's with the White Sox game being final today. Okay. I mean, this seems pretty likely to me. This seems like a single. A single? Okay. I mean, he's got a four RBI lead with five or six games left to play. And he gets to play the Twins for three of those and their bad pitching staff for three of those six games. So, to me, this is a single. Kyle, what were you thinking? Uh, I mean, I just want to get something right, hopefully. So, you know, single is fine with me. Wyatt? I think that's – yeah. Okay. We're all swinging for the fences, and Kyle just lays it down across the middle. It's probably a smarter play, uh, in all honesty. I mean, yeah, that's true. Kyle is the only one without a write that down crown. So maybe he's learning. We'll find out next May. <laughs> Stay tuned. So with a single triple and two home runs, that concludes our write that down prediction segment, which means we are at the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening to episode 144 of the 83 We hope to see you back here again next week for the next one. But until then, signing off for the 83 cast, we have your hosts. Kyle Mersh. Mike Ludwig. And Wyatt Teeter. Talk to y'all again next week. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. Beat the Jayhawks. Beat the Jayhawks. Whoop, whoop.